In part one of this interview, Kathleen Richards shared her story about buying and selling a property management business, how to deal with toxic owners and tenants, and what things to look out for when acquiring a business. We continue that conversation here in part two. As a reminder, this podcast is brought to you by Four and Half. Since 2012, we have been helping property managers grow their business by getting more owner leads through websites, SEO, content, reputation, paid ads, you name it, we do it. Visit fourandhalf.com to learn more. That's F-O-U-R-A-N-D-H-A-L-F.com. And now a quick word from today's sponsor. Now is the time to add pest coverage to your resident benefit package. CoverPest seamlessly integrates with your existing benefit package to give your tenants a world-class pest control service at a fraction of the normal price. Visit CoverPest.com today and mention this podcast to get your startup fee waived. Well, if you don't ever call people out on their bad behavior, then they think tacitly you approve of it and they get away with it. Right. And so, no, the first six months I was doing a whole lot of like a parent with a toddler, like, no, that's not okay. Right. Either you shape up or you ship out. Right. Um, I ultimately did fire a couple owners that just couldn't get on board, but I think overall, I just being really proactive with people, letting people know, I mean, I'm really nice and professional. I'm here to help you. So let's figure out what we need to do to make this work for you, right? I did have one owner. He wasn't abusive, but he was had extremely high expectations. Ex-military man, okay? Mm-hmm. I don't have a problem with high expectations. We just need to be on the same page. Mm-hmm. And so he kept every time something didn't go the way he wanted, he would throw up all the mistakes that the prior property manager made, expecting me to write a check back to him. Well, I'm not going to do that. Right. And I kept saying, you have to give me a fresh start. You can't keep bringing up things from the past. So with him, I finally said, why don't you and your wife, he had a bunch of properties. I said, "Um, let's pick a date. I will notify tenants and we can go tour all of your properties together. And then afterwards, we'll sit down, have lunch. We'll discuss what things you want to do with this property, what you want to do with that property. We'll pull up what's the current rents. You know, we'll have a meeting of the minds. So we did exactly that. And then over lunch, I said, okay, great. We're all on the same page. This is what I, what I can and what I'm willing to do for you, what we can do for you. Okay. What I did with him is after we reviewed everything and agreed on it, we actually did a handshake that moving forward, um, he needed to allow me to, um, do what we agreed upon instead of always bringing up all the things that had gone wrong with the prior business owner, prior property manager. So, um, and we had a great relationship from there on out. I think it was just, um, me being willing to tour all the properties with them and finding out what their concerns were, their needs, their wants, and explaining clearly what I could do, what I couldn't do, and how we were going to take it from there. I really love so that. Hope, hopefully you got you got all that. Yeah. And he turned out to be a really dear friend. Um, years later, his wife passed and I still managed the properties for him. And, you know, it was just he became one of my very favorite clients. Yeah. But it was definitely a meeting of the minds. <laughs> I was curious because and it was interesting that you brought up 
that he expected you to just write a check because earlier on you mentioned that that's what the past owner used to do. And I was curious, did you have other situations that you had to, was it just him or just a handful of people? Or did you really have to teach people that you aren't just going to write them a check if they're unhappy with something that you're doing? Did that come back to bite you a lot? Not a whole lot because the situations where that happened, those tend to be the property owners that are very hands-on, very involved in their properties. And, you know, I had 110 owners and, you know, most of them, as long as they were getting their money every single month and we handled the maintenance, they were good, you know, but you always have those handful of owners that are very active. And I actually kind of like that. I enjoy that because I have my own rental properties and I tend to be on top of it and involved. And so I can appreciate them wanting to kind of know what's going on. Um, so that wasn't a problem. I think it was just setting the expectations for them. Of, okay, this is what you get with me. This is how I operate. This is what I want to do for you. Does that work for you? Right. And, but it wasn't like 50 of my owners, you know, it was, it was maybe 10, you know, and, and so those are the people that I had the strongest relationship with because they were actively involved and, and they would review their owner statements and call up with questions or ask, Hey, the lease is coming up. Are you going to be renewing it? Yep. I'm already ahead of you. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you get to anticipate those owners. And that's why I say, if you can really up-level your communication, you know, those owners and my staff used to laugh years later when I was Portola property management, I would do stuff. And then literally like two days later, an owner would call and my staff would say, oh, we've already taken care of that. And they would come to me. How did you know, Kathleen? I'm like, intuition. I know when they're going to call. <laughs> and you just beat them to the punch. And so when you're taking over a new business and you've decided to keep the employees because they're running the business really well, and that's part of what appealed you to this business you've acquired. What do you do when they decide to leave because they just don't want to stay with you? Well, hopefully the person that is selling the business at a certain point in time, they're going to introduce you, okay, as the new business owner. I mean, you need to be honest and upfront with them, okay? Um, I think it's important as the new owner that you sit down and you meet with each employee and you find out from them, um, like I didn't mention before, but I typically would do a survey with my owner clients. What did they like about the business? What was not working in the business, right? So it would give me a direction of how I can improve things, right? You can do the same thing with your employees. You're going to want to sit down and talk to all of them. Um, I think it's really important to listen to their concerns. If you're introduced at a, a big staff meeting, the first thing I would say is I'm excited to be here. I'm looking forward to getting to know all of you, um, hearing what ideas you have for the business, um, what your career goals are. Um, you know, I know some of you may be worried about is there going to be layoffs or changes or whatever. I think it's um, instead of just kind of poo-pooing it saying, oh, everything is going to be okay. I think it's important to sit down and, and talk with them because if you, you're excited, this is new for you, but if you put yourself in the shoes of them, they're probably really scared. Like, does this mean I have to look for another job? Um, am I going to get moved to a new department? Am I going to get like a bunch of work dumped on me now and I'm working extra hours? You know, they're just nervous about who this new person is, right? 
So I think connecting with them, um, asking lots of questions, really listening to what they're saying, um, getting them to be, you know, buying into, I need you as much as you kind of need me, right? Like, let's do this together. Um, and seeking their advice, right? Like you must see different ways that we could improve things. You know, maybe they've suggested things to the prior owner and the prior owner didn't want to do it because they were in the process of selling, right? I didn't mean it was a good, a bad idea, right? Um, so now's the time to ask them for input. Um, find out, you know, what their career plans are. Okay, there may be room too to do some pay increases. Like I said, with my staff member, I, I you know, paid for her real estate license. It gave her a, a bump in pay because she got it. And then she had some more responsibilities. Sit down, discuss with them. Do you have a performance plan, right? You know, I'm looking to work with people that are excited to be here and you have all kinds of experience, you know, can you help me get up to speed? So I think it's really coming at it from a place of compassion. Um, you're not going to be turning things overnight. You know, obviously, if there is a redundancy and you have a bookkeeper that you love and you don't need two bookkeepers and you have to let one go, then you definitely need to have that tough conversation with that person. Um, but hopefully you've talked ahead of time with the person that you're buying the business from and you already know that, right? And you've already put in place what their, you know, separation plan is going to be or things like that, right? Um, I think probably what happens more often than not is you get a business, you have employees, and then it's not necessarily that the employees all get up and leave, but they're they are ingrained with how they've done things. So the mantra is, well, that's not how we do it. That's not how we do it, right? And so you end up meeting resistance to some of the change. And so that's where having a you know performance, not performance review, but getting their buy-in and putting together a performance growth plan for them. And you know, do they have desires to do different things in the company or do they like what they're doing now? And you know, really finding out are there benefits, right? Mm -hmm. um, asking them and finding out what works for them, especially nowadays with the remote thing, you might find out that, you know, um, somebody's now starting to care for a parent, mm -hmm. right? Okay, well, let me think about that. We might be able to do some flex hours or remote work or, you know, I think if, if, if you are willing to work with your people and it makes sense within your organization, um, they're bringing a lot to the table. What can you bring to the table? And again, it's that meeting of minds. Mm -hmm. um, the people won't leave if they see that there's opportunity for growth there. They're not going to leave. Um, just like owners typically don't leave unless all of a sudden the service they get gets worse. Mm -hmm. Then they move. But typically they don't. They stay in, especially if you're offering an improvement. Um, whether it's services, pricing, customer service, whatever it is, they're not going to leave. And the same goes with employees. But I, I think it's important instead of coming in and telling them this is how it's going to be. Mm -hmm. You ask more questions. You get curious about who are the team members and what's your strength and what do you enjoy doing and how long have you been here? And, oh, tell me a little bit about yourself. Like really get to know people. Okay. Um and find out kind of what some of their aspirations are, 
you know, um, then, then you can work with them. And then it's easier to get buy-in. And you might have some employees ultimately that it is a good opportunity for them to move on. You know, they were sticking around out of loyalty. Maybe they'd wanted to retire, move on a couple years ago, but you know, out of their loyalty, they stayed with that owner, right? So sometimes change isn't a bad thing, but I have never heard of anybody have like all the employees get up and walk out. <laughs> um, that would be pretty drastic if something like that did happen. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I really uh, appreciate this using change as the catalyst for opening up the conversation owning that yes everything's changing and you are part of that change the change is not going to just be imposed down from the top to bottom i would like you to tell me what other things you think we can change together and make this whole thing better i think that's a really good insight i think it's also important to acknowledge with the existing staff that it's okay to be sad. It's okay to mm. kind of grieve that the owner's retired or that things are moving on and they're not going to stay the same. You know what I mean? Um, and that's okay too. You know, I, I think, you know, people have all these mixed emotions when something like that occurs because all this is happening around them. They didn't get a voice who was going to buy yeah. the company, right? Yeah. So I think being compassionate and acknowledging that there is grief, right? Um, but I hope that together we can create some new memories and have some new fun times. And, you know, not all changes um, are necessarily bad changes, right? Yeah, that's very true. And so what about the tenant side? Are there things that you recommend property managers do to retain the good ones and set boundaries with problematic ones? Mm -hmm. Problematic ones, basically you deal with it head on. You start enforcing the rental agreement, right? Um, you start reminding people what the rental agreement says. Um, you know, nowadays in some parts of the country, it's difficult because you can't, you know, they're nasty people, but they pay their rent on time mm -hmm. and they report maintenance issues. You can't just give them a 30 day notice in California and say goodbye. Okay. Um, or even a 60 day notice. You have to have just cause now. Um, but you can, you know, I've sat down with tenants that were very upset about certain things. And it's the same thing with owners, you know, okay, talk to me, like, what are you upset about? Okay, how can we find a way to resolve this? And it's, it's having really exceptional people skills that instead of just, you know, yes, per your lease, it says this, okay, but sometimes when you go that route initially, then up come the legal things right? Mm -hmm. um, I prefer a much softer approach of, you know, an example. I had a tenant that was late with her rent every single month and she would want to, you know, she'd come in and pay me like $200 week one. I can, I can pay you 400 next week. And I'm like, mm. okay. So, um, and obviously the prior owner had let her kind of do this for mm. some time. And so finally I just said, Hey, you know, I actually went to her house. She was an older lady. I drove to the rental unit. I said, can I meet with you? And I sat down and met with her in her home because I wanted to see the home environment. I hadn't been in there before. And I just said, okay, 
talk to me about what's going on. You, you strike me as a really honest person. You are working really hard to pay the rent, but I noticed coming to this house, you're in a three bedroom house. Most of the rooms are empty and it's just you. So what's the story behind this? She goes, oh, I raised my kids here. Well, all of her kids had moved. Now she's alone and she couldn't afford to pay the rent alone anymore. So I says, you know what? I says, why don't we do this? If I could help you find like a little one bedroom that would work better for you. I understand you raised your kids here, but you know what? They've gone off and they have adult lives. And this is a burden to you now. This isn't a joy right? This house has bad memories being associated with it instead of the good ones that were created here. So I worked with her to move her out into something she could afford. And we then rented it as a three bedroom house. Now I could have said, Hey, no, I'm not accepting your partial payment rent anymore. And per your lease, you owe us. And if you don't pay it, we're going to give you a three day notice and evict you. Yeah, that's one route I could have gone and I would have been completely in my realm to do that. Okay, but I wanted to ask questions and find out because I truly believe that the majority of people, whether it's owners or tenants or vendors, they want to do the right thing, right? Um, but maybe your owners have had multiple property management companies and every company does things differently and now you're an owner coming in, right? Mm -hmm. So if you let people know how they can work with you best, how you can have that successful relationship, they will rise to the occasion. And if they choose not to, then they're going to move on. And I'm okay with that, right? Same thing with tenants. If you explain to them what you expect, if something comes up, just call me. You know, 99% of the time we can work it out. Same thing with if you, I remember back in 2008 and nine. I had a tenant that I was the second phone call after they called their spouse to say they worked in Silicon Valley. They got downsized. Mm -hmm. Now, I can't pay my rent. What are we going to do? Right. They didn't run from it, hide. And now I'm chasing them down. I didn't get your rent this month. No, he called me right away. And I said, OK, let's put together a plan. And we did. And this is what we did. And we got them out of the lease and we got somebody in there right away. The owner still got their same amount of rent right? So there's always a solution as long as you can have a conversation and try to problem solve. If, if they're not talking to you, you're not going to be able to help them. So that's the approach I always took with people, okay? Have a conversation with me and I would reach out to them if I saw like a pattern. Mm -hmm. I'd call them and say, hey, what, what's going on? You know, you paid your rent great for the first three months and now you've been late every single month. And when we approved you, I know you were qualified. What's going on? And then they kind of fess up that they're separated from their partner or spouse or somebody, move, a roommate moved out and now they're struggling to pay the rent. They were kind of embarrassed to come forward and let you know. And no, okay, that happened. What do we need to do, right? So I think if you can have good communication with your residents and they feel like you were there to help them, okay, um, because you hold a lot of power over your tenants. I mean, let's face it. That's the roof over their head. Mm -hmm. And maybe they had bad situations in the past, right? So I always tried to come from the perspective of how can I help you? How can we solve this together? And I found that that worked for me. I never had to do an eviction. I took a few properties where I had to evict the people, but that was only after the owner begged me. 
<laughs> and then I manage the property going forward. But I think most of the time you can resolve it. Most of the time people want to do what's right. Most of the time, as long as you kind of explain how we can do it, people will rise to the occasion. And if they can't, well, then, then you take the hard action of, you know what, it just seems like this isn't working for us. Uh, another quick example, a tenant was a nurse and he worked nights and slept during the day. Mm-hmm. He kept calling us saying, you know, the other tenants in the fourplex are noisy and the kids are running around and playing. And, you know, can you tell them to be quiet? They won't be quiet. I have to sleep during the day. Well, I'm sorry. They're not doing anything that's not normal. Right. Mm-hmm. So at a certain point, I had to say to him, you know what, this probably is not the right place for you to live. You would be better, and he couldn't rent a single house for himself. You'd be better off renting a little granny unit, right? Mm-hmm. Or finding something um, in the country where it's a little bit quieter. I mean, I get your work, but you can't expect other people to change their lives to accommodate you, right? So sometimes I think just being honest with people, I didn't tell him you have to move. I just said, think about it. Ultimately, he did move. You know, there was nothing we can do. You know, and I wasn't going to slap three day notices on the neighbor's homes during normal day hours saying, you know, your kids can't have the TV on or they can't run around outside and play. So it's it's being able to be comfortable with those difficult conversations and having those difficult conversations in a compassionate way. But you still have to draw the line in the sand. I did not make exceptions to the rules because every time Mm -hmm. I did, I always got bit in the butt. And it reminded me why I have my rules, why I have my policies and procedures. But it doesn't mean that you still can't, you know, deal with people in a compassionate way. Would it have been passive aggressive to buy him a noise machine and some blackout curtains? (laughs) No, I suggested those things. Yeah, I even suggested, you know, I says, I don't know if you can sleep with the noise canceling headphones, you know. Um, But he obviously moved into a fourplex, not a good choice if you were graveyard, yeah. right? Um, so part of it is, okay, you know, I'm not going to give notices, do the best that you can do, you know, but you might need to make Just a being choice. real. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I think, you know, that's for having honest conversations. It goes back to, as a business owner, your business should be a reflection of you. And, and people knew straight, I'm a pretty simple, straightforward kind of gal, right? Um, honesty, integrity are everything to me. I will always be honest with you. And I would tell prospective owners that. Can you get $6,000 a month rent for my little studio? Uh, no. <laughs> I'm not going to say that. I don't care like what a great location it is. I'm not going to say that. Take your property and then I can't rent it. And now you're right. pissed at me every week when I come back and say we need to reduce the rent. We need to reduce the rent. If you can get that, good luck. But this is, you know, I'm always going to be honest, even if you don't like the message I'm going to give you, okay? Um, But that goes to creating trust. And when people know that you're honest with them, they respect you, they trust you. It makes it so much easier down the road when you say, hey, um, I would like to do this to XYZ property and this is why. And they're like, okay, you don't get pushback right? People push back when they think you aren't being honest with them, or you're just trying to make money, extra money off of them, or whatever it is. If you can explain why you want to do XYZ, or why this new program is going to be a huge benefit to them and the property and the tenant, people will buy all day long. 
I mean, and they're buying because of the value that you've created, right? And that that then backs into they know they like and they trust you, but it takes time to sometimes build up that trust. So when you're a new business owner, the, the number one thing I would say is really up your communication. Really I'm, let them know what you're doing and how you're improving things. I'm curious to know how to scale that because the examples you give were mm-hmm. fitting of like a smaller business where it mm-hmm. is possible for you, the new owner, to reach out to the individuals who tend, who you think will have a problem with the change. And so what if you're buying a giant business Mm -hmm. and you can't really just pick up the phone and have those direct conversations to get on the same page? And nor should you. (laughs) If you're buying a thousand doors or 2000 doors, that is not your role, right? I think that's the other thing is people have to clearly understand what their position is within the company, right? And so at that level, I'm making an assumption here, but you have departments, you have teams, you have an org chart. God, I hope you have an org chart, you know, if you're at that size and level. Um, Otherwise, you're working 24 hours a day. But basically, you have a more defined structure to your business, right? And so it's going to be communicating to those team leaders, those property managers that maybe manage a portfolio or the maintenance coordinators or whatever, it's going around to them and listening. Hey, you know, what do you love about working here? What has, you know, what are the good, the bad, the ugly? What are the areas that you'd like to see improvement and empowering them, you know, and asking them, you know, when a difficult owner situation comes up, how do you handle that? I know when I interviewed for people, that was literally in my job posting. I gave very explicit instructions. And this would be true whether you are a small business or a very large one, you have a hiring process. And my hiring process was, you know, um, before they even gave me their resume, they didn't, you know, tell me why they were interested in the position, right? What do you like to do for fun? And how share with me a time when you had a very difficult situation or extremely unhappy owner or client or customer, how did you resolve that? You know, how did you resolve that? I asked that straight up, right? Like I want to know that before I even interview with them or have that initial phone interview or whatever. So I am already looking for that at get go, but you're buying a company. You've got a lot of employees. I would be going around and asking them, you know, um, how, how do you handle XYZ situation? You know, um, what are the biggest challenges in your position? I'd be asking lots of questions, right? One, it puts them where they're doing the talking. They're the expert. You're deferring to them, okay, um, and their expertise because that's what they have. And you empower them on how to handle things. Maybe once you've been in there a little bit and you start wanna tweaking and, and you have your own ways of doing things, then you put together a you know monthly training session with all your staff about expectations, how customer service, um, this, you know, finding out from them how they do and say, you know, here's some things that I've learned that's really worked for me. Training them to become leaders. You know, very successful companies, um, you know, I'm trying to think, I just read about a few recently that Coldwell Banker in the very beginning, um, 
Starbucks, um, In-N-Out Burger. Once they start growing from small little family businesses and they really start growing, part of the scale is Coldwell Banker University, you know, Keller Williams training mentoring programs. Um, In-N-Out Burger has a In-N-Out Burger University, okay? All Starbucks does the same thing. They train all their line level people in customer service skills, reinforcing what the values are of the company, introducing new leadership things. The employees feel like they're poured into. This owner cares about me and my career, right? And I think if you do that, then you don't have to get on the phone and call people. I mean, listen, at a thousand doors, owners aren't even gonna know that there's new ownership. They shouldn't know that there's new ownership. All they should know is that, you know, oh, you're rolling out new programs or there's a, a company survey that goes out saying on a scale of one to 10, how would you rank our customer service? On a scale of one to 10, how do you feel we handle maintenance? Um, do you feel our pricing is competitive in the marketplace? Uh, you know, those sort of things you want to find out, you'll get answers back, but it's really nurturing the people because the people are what has allowed the company to grow to that point the people are what's going to allow you to scale it even further. So it's it's being curious, asking a lot of questions, not coming in as a know-it-all, right? And seeing, you know, assessing. Also, it's getting down on the ground floor. You're not sitting up in your ivory tower somewhere and people go, oh, yeah, we have a new CEO. Or, you know, I, I saw him at the company meeting, but I haven't met him since then, right? No, you, you as an owner should be it sounds kind of old fashioned, but if everybody's not remote, um, walking the floors and talking to people and, and meeting with departments and assessing what's going on. And that should be done always, right? You should always be assessing how can we improve? What new technology is out there? But really building up your, your staff to become leaders, right? And I, I know for a while there a, was a big trend. I, I'm assuming some people are still doing it, the whole EOS system. Um, but yeah, at it, it, a top level, CEO coming in, buying a thousand door, merging with another company. No, no, no. You're not going to be getting on the phone calling all the owners. No. Um, you might, if the company does a regular newsletter, you might want to have a little message from our new CEO, right? That goes out to all the staff, or maybe you do a motivational thing on Mondays or whatever, you have a company picnic. Um, but no, it's your staff and your employees and your departments that are going to be delivering on your vision, right? Yeah. And it's training them to step into that. And if they need help, then it's providing the extra training. It's, it's up to you at that level then to make sure that their supervisors are giving them all the tools that are necessary to deliver, you know, the services, the product, the customer service, all of that. The marketplace and property management, I've seen it for a number of years, the mergers and acquisitions, but even at a smaller level, you know, I, I hear people going, yeah, all these big venture capital companies are coming in and buying up. You know what? There's still a place for the small to medium sized company. And those deals are still going to always happen right? Um, just like in the marketplace, there's people that like to shop at Costco and the big box stores. There's always going to be those people that like to shop at the little boutiques and get the more customer service and the unique products and so forth. So 
that's not going to go away. Um, but I truly believe property management is a whole industry that um, you take advantage of what's coming down the pipe and what's happened over the past few years um, and use those things to free up your time to offer better customer service or better products or services. There's always going to be room for you and there's always going to be a place where you can be massively profitable. And that's all we have for today's episode of the Property Management Show brought to you by Four and Half. Since 2012, we have been helping property managers get more owner leads through marketing from websites, SEO, content, reputation, paid ads, you name it, we do it. Visit fourandhalf.com to learn more. That's F-O-U-R-A-N-D-H-A-L-F.com. As usual, feel free to send us your feedback, comments, thoughts by emailing marketing at fourandhalf.com. And if you are enjoying our show, please consider leaving us a rating or review on the listening app of your choice. Thank you and see you next time.